All right, welcome in. We are with you until midnight after a thriller for the Red Sox. They escape Tampa Bay with a 4-3 win. They get back to 500. They're now 7-7 seven and seven on the season. And, man, I did not see it going that way at the end. Oh, Matt Barnes comes in. Bases drunk in a 4-3 game with arguably the best hitter in Major League Baseball right now. I mean, Wander Franco leads all of Major League Baseball in hits. He's hitting over 400. You got that guy coming to the plate that, I don't know, had already homered twice in the game to face Matt Barnes. I don't know if you're like me, but I was nervous as hell. I thought there was no chance Matt Barnes is getting out of that inning. Now, I'm not telling you that Matt Barnes has found something or anything along those lines. He only threw three pitches, and the fastball he threw was 91 miles an hour. So I'm not going nuts about Matt Barnes and him being back to the guy that he was before. But just the fact that the Red Sox escaped that. Like, I look at that game tonight, and it certainly wasn't an impressive win. And we'll get into some of the details of why. I don't know what happened to the offense after the fifth inning of the game. The Red Sox went in order for the rest of the game. The sixth, seventh, the eighth, the ninth inning. They didn't get a single man on base after the fifth inning of this game, right? So there is definitely some issues with this offense that we've been talking about over the past couple of games or so, and it's continuing to pile up. But that was a big win because that would have been an absolutely atrocious loss. Jumping out to the 4-1 to lead and then not being able to – essentially deliver the knockout blow in the fifth inning, that would have been a horrible loss for the Red Sox tonight. No way around it. And Matt Barnes comes in because Jake Diekman could not find the plate whatsoever. I mean, it was a complete roller coaster. His first five sliders, all balls. You got Mike Zanino up there with a 44% strikeout rate, which if you don't know what that is, that's absolutely atrocious. And he can't throw a strike against that guy. Works a full count, then walks him. You got to bring Matt Barnes in. And luckily, Matt Barnes... I honestly feel like Matt Barnes tonight having the bases loaded against the best hitter in the sport right now helped him because of the fact he needed to throw strikes. You tell me, if Matt Barnes comes into that game and it's first and second and Wander Franco's up, what's Matt Barnes doing? Typical Matt Barnes things. He's nibbling. He's not going after Wander Franco, but because he need it was forced on him. The situation was forced on Matt Barnes. He had to throw strikes because the bases were loaded. I honestly believe that helped him. He threw strikes because he needed to. He had no alternative. He couldn't nibble. He had to throw strikes, and Matt Barnes gets out of that inning. And maybe he seemed really happy after the game. You heard him with Tom Flash Gordon, who's been in that situation many times. (laughs) We all know 54 straight saves for that guy. And then Joe Castiglione, he was with those guys after the game. He seemed really confident that his curveball is good. That's great. We just got to see the velocity on the fastball increase. But I do hope that this gets Matt Barnes at least trending in the right direction where there's more confidence with him. Because here's the reality. The Red Sox need Barnes. You look at this bullpen. Robles is a stud. And we'll get into that in greater detail as the night goes on. Jake Diekman up and down. The guy's got great stuff. I mean, he came into tonight with a 46% strikeout rate. He strikes out guys left and right. But the problem is, as we saw tonight with that slider, the command is not always there for Diekman. You know what you have with Whitlock, but you got to pick your spots with Whitlock. Tomorrow, he's starting. Earlier in the week, he saved a game, right? He was the closer. Another game, he's got to pitch two to three innings. So you got to pick your spots with Whitlock. You need more guys that can consistently give you 
high leverage innings. And I'm not saying put Barnes in high leverage innings, but this is certainly one of those situations tonight. Matt Strom's been good for this team the majority of the season. Wasn't as sharp tonight. I thought Austin Davis looked really good. But the point being, you paid Matt Barnes to be, I don't want to say an upper echelon reliever, but to be a good reliever. You need this guy to get back on track because it helps the rest of the bullpen. So hopefully this is the turning point for Matt Barnes, where I'm not saying he ever gets into the reliever he was pre-All-Star break last year, where he was legitimately, this is not hyperbole, he was legitimately at that time, from a numbers perspective, one of the best relievers in the sport. At that time, the only guys that had a better strikeout rate than him, Craig Kimbrell and Josh Hader. You need him to be 80% of that guy. Heck, I'll say 78, okay? 78% of that guy last season, that's a reliable reliever. And maybe what we saw tonight from Matt Barnes pushes him in the right direction. I don't want to overreact to it. I get it. It's only one appearance. It's only three pitches. But maybe this is what the guy needed. He's in his head. Can we all agree on that? Matt Barnes is in his head as as much as any reliever I've seen. The guy's always had great stuff. He lost his mechanics during spring training. Apparently, his dog helped him find his mechanics back. So, I just don't know what to believe with Matt Barnes. And if this is the moment he needed, because it always seems like he's in his own head, if this is the moment he needed, great. Great, because this team, the reality is they need Matt Barnes. All right, we got a packed show. We only have an hour tonight. So, a lot on the table. Will this help Matt Barnes going forward? That certainly is on the table. What is going on with this offense? Why can't they add on runs? Oh, okay. We can just take this up. Into, oh, all right. All right. 617-779-7937 is the number. We'll, we'll take you all the way up until midnight. So Matt Barnes on the table. Is this the moment that turns Matt Barnes' season around? Or I should say, is this the moment that get Matt, gets Matt Barnes's season started, so to speak? Uh, also on the table tonight, the offense. What's going on with this group? Because what we felt coming into the season with this Red Sox team, the offense is going to carry them. Well, I feel like every other portion of the team has been good except the offense. The defense saved the game tonight. Look at what Trevor's story did. So that's on the table, what's wrong with the offense. And if you do want to weigh in on some of the pitching performances, certainly can because Waka was good again. Waka has now only given up three earned runs in 14 and a third. The guy's been absolutely phenomenal. He's not going to blow you away, but he knows how to pitch. He's an older veteran that knows how to pitch. It's been so far, I get it, three starts, but that's been a really nice pickup for Bloom. Really, the only two mistakes he made in the game were to Wander Franco, who is incredible right now. I still can't believe that, and look, I love Robles. The guy's been incredible. I don't know why they pitched to him in that inning. The first base was open. You could have walked the guy. Now you're able to get out of that inning if you're Hansel Robles, but I'm still shocked they pitched to him in that particular situation. But nonetheless, the bullpen, I feel like, has been pretty good. The Diekman performance was atrocious tonight. The guy couldn't throw a damn strike. But Robles has been really good for this team. We all know what Whitlock is, and he'll get the ball tomorrow. But overall, I felt like the bullpen has been pretty good in the defense, man. I know that Bogarts made an error. I understand that. But in totality tonight, the defense was a large part of why this team won. You look at that play that Trevor Story made. That's why you signed the guy. Well, also for his bat, too. I mean, and also because Bogarts is going to be opting out of his contract after the season. There's more than one reason. But this is one of the things we knew about Trevor Story. The guy last year among shortstops was fourth in defensive run saved. 
He's an elite defensive player, and you saw it tonight. Now, he did make that nice play on Ramirez, too. I mean, the throw was a little wide of Bogarts, but look, still getting used to the position. ball came off Bronco's bat at 100 miles an hour. That's a ridiculous play by Trevor Story. So we're certainly seeing the athleticism of Story. Not to mention the fact that earlier in the game, Alex Verdugo with his second outfield assist in two days. Remember, this guy was really good when it comes to that last season. He had nine. That was tied for seventh in all of Major League Baseball. So when we look at it in terms of the full landscape with this team, the defense has been really good. For the most part, the pitching has been pretty good. With the exception of Pavetta in the rotation, uh, Deakman has been up and down. But for the most part, the pitching has been good. My question is, when is this offense going to get going? That's the thing to me that is concerning. Because you felt like, okay, this is the game where they're going to break out. Because they started off hot. Trevor Story starts the game with a single. Then Rafael Devers down on strikes. But Bogart singles, Verdugo singles. You make it one to nothing there. And you added on another run in the Jackie Bradley Jr. ground up. But you're thinking to yourself, okay, this team was not hitting in the first couple of innings of games. They came into tonight with just 15 runs in the first three innings of baseball games this season. That was 21st in Major League Baseball. They were not scoring early. They weren't getting to starters. And you felt like, okay, here it comes. They're going to get all over Corey Kluber. And it felt like they were. And they were hitting him hard. And then you go to the third inning. Rafael Devers hits a ridiculous home run on that cutter that was outside of the zone almost. I mean, not outside of the zone, but that's a tough pitch to pull the other way like that. Endeavors homers, and that makes it a 3-1 to game. And you feel like, okay, here we go. More and more. Add on to this lead. And they would add another one because after Bogarts doubled, which, by the way, Bogarts suddenly has been red hot. He now has, what, 20 hits on the season? So after a slow start for Bogarts, he's been red hot. But Kike ends up singling to bring him in. Kike had two hits in that spot today. So in the five spot, that makes it a four to one game. But after that, uh, the Red Sox offense sort of went to sleep. One, two, three inning in the, four, in the fourth. And then in the fifth, this is the inning where the Red Sox, and this is what they failed to do this season. Critical situations, they're not coming through. And the fifth inning tonight was an example of this. So top of the fifth inning, Bogarts, who continues to be red hot, as we mentioned, this is when you know Bogarts is hot, when he sort of gets handsy with his swing. Bogarts has amazing hands where he just flips a little curveball that was outside of the zone, over the infield, little single, came off the bat at 69 miles an hour, but Bogarts is capable of that. When Bogarts is in a zone, we see him picking up hits like that, and it's exactly what he did tonight. Phenomenal piece of hitting from Xander Bogarts, right? I, I know I talk about the hard-hit balls all the time and the loud contact, but this is just... A hitter doing what he does in Xander Bogarts. And now he's sort of in his own. Then Verdugo, who's been the Red Sox best hitter from a consistency standpoint all season long, he singles on a cutter that was up in the zone. All right, so you're thinking, all right, it's a 4-1 game in the top of the fifth inning. The Red Sox are about to put Corey Kluber out of his misery, and they're going to be on their way to an easy win because they haven't had a lot of those this season. In fact, I don't even know if they've had one where you felt like, okay, yeah, that was an easy win. <laughs> they've had some blowout losses. But first and second, nobody out. You need to generate more runs there, and you need to deliver the knockout blow. Think about that. It would have saved us from the final four innings, all of us watching the game being so stressed out. But then Kike grounds into a double play. And I know Kike had two hits earlier in the game, but you just can't do that. It was a two-seamer in at his hands. He barely touches it, 67 miles an hour off the bat. That essentially ends the rally. Kike has got to be better in that particular situation from a, a situational standpoint. Jackie walks. Okay, great. All right, so now you still get a chance. 
Well, and then Bobby Dahlback grounds out on a sinker, which the Dahlback thing is now really starting to be an issue with this team. But in terms of the broad issue here, you got to generate runs there. But Bobby Dahlback, I'm wondering how much longer they can go with him. He entered tonight 7 of 40. And then after tonight's game, or I should say in tonight's game, he goes 0 for 4. So Bobby Dahlback on the season is hitting 159. And I'm not saying specifically Tristan Cassis, but we should all be paying attention to him down at the AAA level because he's dropping bombs left and right. But I would say this. Branchy Cordero is hitting well at the minor league level right now. He has an OPS near 1,000. He's got three home runs. His on-base percentage is near 400. If Bobby Dahlback is going to continue to be this inconsistent, they got to find something at the bottom portion of the order. Now, Jackie Bradley Jr. offensively has been better than I thought. Not to say he's been great, but he's been better than I thought he was going to be. But we know the catcher's not going to hit. You're not going to get much offense out of Vasquez. He's at 226 for the season. Ploiecki, I know he's coming back from COVID. He will hit lefties. Ploiecki will hit lefties, but he's not going to hit for any power whatsoever. So at the moment, before they add something to the outfield, if they do, and look, Arroyo can hit lefties, cannot hit righties. I mean, he can't hit righties at all. He does hit lefties last year over 300. He hit 328 against lefties. So, okay, maybe you get a little bit of production out of right field, but not much, especially for a corner outfield spot where you'd like some power. You don't have any of that in the Red Sox lineup right now. Arroyo's not going to hit for power, and Jackie Bradley Jr., we all know what he is. We're essentially saying the catching spot is a non-entity in terms of the offense. That means you need something at that seven spot, which right now is Bobby Dahlbeck. To me, that's the real problem in the lineup. Kike Hernandez will hit. Verdugo is raking. Bogarts is coming alive. Rafael Devers, we know what he is. You're going to get J.D. Martinez back from his, whatever it is, hip issue. And another guy is Shaw. Like, why is he on the roster? He's 0 for 4 tonight. He's 0 for 14 on the season. He hasn't walked. He's striking out left and right. There's no point on this guy being on the team. That's why I mentioned a guy like Franchi Cordero. The reason I don't say Cassis right now is because when you bring him up, he's playing every day. You don't want to bring up a guy from the minor league level who is your top prospect in your organization, the top two, him and Marcelo Mayer. You don't want to bring that guy up and him not playing every day. He needs to be in the lineup every day. So if you're not ready to do that yet, why don't you bring up a guy like Franchi Cordero? Because at least we know Franchi can get into one. And you got Travis Shaw on the roster. What the, what the hell's the point of Travis Shaw? The guy sucks. He's not good. Look at him up there. I know he almost hit a home run tonight. It looks like he's swinging a weighted bat, and that's against a guy with Corey Kluber that doesn't throw one pitch over 89 miles an hour. That's his only chance to get a hit is a guy against a guy like Corey Kluber. How many soft-throwing righties are you going to see this season? That's like the guy that the one dude that Travis Shaw could do damage against is a soft-throwing righty. So enough of the Travis Shaw experiment. He doesn't fit into the team. There's no point in this guy being here. All right, 617-779. 7937 the number. Let's kick it off tonight with Wally in Fall River. What's up, Wally? What's up, Brian? Uh, I thought that everything was going to blow up in the ninth inning, but uh, Bonds got out of it. You have to give him credit. Maybe this is a good stop. But uh, we have to realize it couldn't get any worse with him. But uh, it was really piecing together the bullpen tonight. I mean, just the matchups. But uh, like I said, you had a dangerous up hitter up there in the ninth inning. Uh, the, one of the best hitters in baseball, and oh boy, I, I expected it to end right there. But uh, as far as Bobby Dalba, even the bottom of the order, you don't want a black hole. But uh, we haven't, uh, we've been blown out of a few games. But the, like you said, the pitch has been fairly decent. But uh, these guys got to hit. I mean, uh, as far as Trevor's story, is he going to be in a leadoff spot permanently? You think? 
uh, with Kiki down there. I mean, uh, he, he's really not a leadoff hitter if you bat him star, story. He's just the first batter of the game. You really don't have a leadoff batter in baseball anymore with the DH. You can have a guy bat ninth with 20 home runs. But yeah. I like story and leadoff. It gives him a little more speed. And uh, it's, but uh, if you bat him lead off, like I said, you're going to have to get more production from the body uh, from the bottom of the order. I mean, you don't want another black hole like you did uh, last year for a while. Yeah, Wally, I I actually like him in the leadoff spot. The reason is a couple reasons. First of all, you mentioned the fact that he can run, and the Red Sox there's not much athleticism uh, athleticism on this team. I mean, if you look at it last year. <laughs> Vasquez led the team with eight steals, so there's right, not right. a lot. There's not a lot of athletes on this team in in terms of stolen bases. And Story stole twenty of them. And the other thing I'd say is this: I feel like Story he's done a better job making contact, et cetera, over the past couple of games. I, I mean, really, if you look at it, after the zero and five, he had a hit in every game but one of them. It just his power hasn't really come yet. And I feel like Wally, one of the things that Alex Cora is good at is reading the situation and. I feel like putting him ahead of Rafael Devers, who, of course, is the most feared hitter in your lineup, it's smart because that will allow Trevor Story, who likes to chase pitches out of the zone, to get more pitches in the zone. He strikes out a ton. We all know that. I mean, he came into tonight with a strikeout rate over 35%, which is horrible. So the fact that they put him in front of Devers, I feel like if he's going to get going, this is a good spot for him to be in. No, we have a lot of trouble tacking on runs. Like I said, we get a lead, we can't tack on. Like yesterday, the other day with Tehran, all we needed was a fly ball. But yeah. we've had a lot of tons of traffic on the bases. We just can't drive them in. Yeah, I'm with you on that, Wally, and I appreciate the phone call as always, my friend. Have a great night. His line's open if you want to grab it at 617-779-7937. So here's the other thing about Wally brings up the story, Devers, or the story in the leadoff spot. So story since the beginning of 18 as a 990 OPS against left-handed pitchers. And, like, we know that Bogarts and J.D. can hit left-handers. But last year, I mean, the guy that had the best OPS against left-handed pitching, with the exception of Arroyo, who wasn't an everyday player, was Kike Hernandez at 855. Story clobbers left-handed pitching. Last season, 974 OPS. That was 11th in baseball. And Devers, we all know Clobber's righties, 978 OPS last year against righties. That was seventh in baseball. So I do like those guys back-to-back in the lineup late in games when this team actually starts to hit. It makes it more difficult for teams to match up. And I do think in the short term that Trevor Story's speed at the top of the lineup, and then secondarily, more importantly, to get him going, I feel like having Rafael Devers in front of him is going to allow him to see so many more pitches. And they have to get Story going. They need to get his bat going, and I actually really like this move that Cora made. I know a lot of people were pushing for Verdugo at leadoff because, <laughs> I mean, the guy's raking the season. He's hitting 313 with a 364 on base percentage. Here's my thing about Verdugo. I just wouldn't move him. He's comfortable right now. Two more hits tonight. I wouldn't move him. I like him hitting sort of tonight. Of course, he's hitting in that cleanup spot, but I like him behind J.D. It kind of lengthens the lineup out. A little bit. So I wouldn't want his bat in the leadoff spot. I'd rather get a guy like Story going in front of Rafael Devers. All right, 617-779-7937, the number. Let's get to Mike. Mike is in Connecticut tonight. Mike, what's up, my friend? What's up, buddy? First of all, thanks for the other night when you were talking Celtics to let me talk about the Sox. That's why, you know, you're the best on the EEI. (laughs) Anytime, man. Anytime you want to talk Sox. You know me. But, But, Brian... I usually agree with you, and I'm going to agree with you on most of the points, and I 
There is no way on God's earth Shaw should be on this team. He's finished. Yeah. He's done. Yeah, I mean, it looks and, like he's swinging water right now. I mean, uh, the bad speed, uh, I mean, it's pathetic. Uh, I, I don't know. And pathetic. look, here's the thing, Mike. I heard Rob Bradford say this today. He may have said this last week as well. His contract is not guaranteed after 45 days. So they can basically get rid of uh, him in 45 days. So, I mean, that's a decision yeah, but, they're going to have to make. I, I personally, Mike, I, I, I know this is crazy, but I'd give Franchi a call up. If they're not going to use Tristan Cassius, nah, I'd, give, I I'd give Franchi a chance. I, that's where we disagree, my man. I want Cassius up there. Frenchy Cordero, you know, he's been in the majors up and down enough. He just he can't hit major league pitching on a consistent basis. Bring the kid up. I'm tired of doll back. I'm tired of him striking out. He can never get a clutch hit. I mean, and as far as Barnes go, Brian, you know and I know, the only way we're winning that game, you knew that Franco was going to hit a rocket. You just had to hope he hit it right at him. And I'll tell you. <laughs> 100 you miles an it. hour off the bat, Mike. <laughs> 100 miles an hour. Let me tell you something right now. Barnes is finished. And I'm going to tell you another thing. Uh -oh. That first play that Story made, that was a wicked hop, Brian. That was a hell of a play he made. Oh, yeah. You're talking about and the first play of the ninth inning that he made. Yeah, Ramirez. When Deekman was yeah. on the mound. Yes. Oh, that Deekman. I'll tell you, it's a shame. Yeah. He's got good stuff. But, Brian, you, you can't walk by the scene. The guy is finished. <laughs> He's got nothing. He's got nothing left. Zanino's, you know, Zanino's under 100 for the season, and he's not. I, just go after I, him. He's got no bat speed. Just, go after him. Go after him. It's infuriating. Him. Rolling over, get a double. It's infuriating. It's too bad the guy got good stuff, but we got to get Cassius up for Brian. He, yeah, uh, Mike, my one, Mike, my one thing about that is if they're going to give – look, I understand your point, and look, it's hard to argue against, like, just sitting Dahl back he's down. He's killing the ball, Brian, down yeah, there. He is, but my point is this, Mike. If he's not – if they're not committed to playing him every day, they're not going to bring him up, right? So if well, they – but, but let him play every day. I don't think it's going to ruin the kid's career if he struggles and they got him sent back down. I, I really, I really don't believe in that. Yeah, I, I see, Mike. I appreciate the call as always, my friend. I disagree on that point. I don't like have, bringing a guy up and then you got to send him down. We've seen it too many times before, not just with this organization, but across the sport. Now, Wander Franco, of course, he comes in last year and he's ready. I mean, that guy's a star. He may be the best player in baseball right now. <laughs> I know there's Trout. I know there's Vladimir Guerrero Jr., but this dude is ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, come on. He is. And how about that play he made? That guy, I hate the fact that guy's in the division for, what is it, the next 13 years, whatever he signed. I guess until the Rays decide, hey, we need prospects, and they'll trade him. <laughs> they'll get the next Wander Franco. But that guy's going to be a pain in the ass. Think about this division. you got Vladimir Guerrero Jr., and you got this guy in your division for the next decade or so. And eventually, I know Vlad Jr. will get his contract. But, man, that dude is absolutely filthy. But my whole point about Cassius is this. If, you, if they think he's ready right now, and he's going to play every day, and he's going to take over for Bobby Dahlbeck. Fine, I'm all good with that. But my whole thing is, I don't believe the Red Sox will bring Tristan Cashes up until they believe 100% he's going to play every day. And that's why I say bring up Franchi. Give Franchi an opportunity. Okay, yeah, he wasn't great last year. He had great numbers last year or this year when he started the season off in AAA. He's actually taking some walks. He's a three-true three outcome guy. He walks, he hits bombs, and he strikes out. Okay, well, Travis Shaw can't hit. Bobby Dahlbeck can't hit. I'd just like to get this guy an opportunity. Give him a and not to mention the fact he can play outfield. Get an opportunity for him to play out in some right field. Like, I, I would give the guy a chance. If you're not going to bring up Cassius right now, 
Give Franchi Cordero a chance. All right, 617-779-7937, the number. Brian Barrett with you all the way until midnight. Okay, so there's a lot on the table tonight. If you want to weigh in on Barnes, is there any chance that this outing tonight, this three-pitch outing, gets him going? That's on the table. Why can't this team hit? Why can't they finish off teams? That's on the table. And if you do want to get into Michael Walker's outing, that's on the table as well. Plus, is it a good decision to allow Garrett Whitlock to start tomorrow? The number 617-779-7937. With you until midnight here on EEI. The Greg Hill Show, weekdays 6 to 10. Now, here's what's trending on WEEI. Well, never a doubt, right? The Red Sox beat the Rays tonight 4-3. to Four to three, baby. They pulled this one off. Unbelievable. Matt Barnes with the save. <laughs> he had to bail out Jake Diekman. Diekman came in and walked three batters. I'm not kidding. In one inning, the guy walked three batters. First five sliders, all balls. I mean, that guy was an absolute mess on the mound. And I feel like it's going to be that way all season. He's always been a high walk guy. Michael Walker, five innings, two earned runs. He's now up to 14 and a third on the season. He surrendered just three earned. That's been a really good pickup so far for the Red Sox. Meanwhile, Rafael Devers hit a home run, his third on the season. Another big night for Alex Verdugo. He was two for two, uh, two for four rather. Kike Hernandez moved down to the five spot from the leadoff spot a couple of games ago. He was two for four as well. Trevor Story up to the leadoff spot. He was one for five. Xander Bogarts is red hot right now. He's three for four. Bogarts now with 20 hits on the season, and very quietly, he's hitting 385 with a 407 on base percentage. Remember when he was, like, struggling? All of a sudden, he's red hot. At one point, he had five straight plate appearances with a hit. Game two of the three-game set is going to be Saturday night in St. Petersburg. It's a 6-10 first pitch across the Shaws and Star Market, WEI Red Sox Network. Pre-game is going to start at 6-10, and as we mentioned, Garrett Whitlock gets the start in that one. The season, the Nets will play game three of their best-of-seven Saturday night in Brooklyn. The green out to a 2-0 series edge. And reinforcements on the way. How about this? ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski reporting Robert Williams intends to play in limited minutes. Let's go. He's back. Let's go. Williams, by the way, had knee surgery back on March 30th. Meanwhile, Ben Simmons plans to play for Brooklyn in game four, the guy that wouldn't dunk last year. Elsewhere, 76ers center Joel Embiid dealing with a thumb sprain. ESPN's Ramona Shelburne reports Embiid is scheduled to get an MRI to determine if it has ligament damage. Philadelphia will list Embiid as available for Game 4 against the Raptors on Saturday. So that's something to monitor in the East because Chris Middleton is already dealing with a sprained MCL for the Bucks. The Bees get the Rangers on Saturday afternoon. That's what's trending now on WEI and WEI.com. You want to have Franco hit left-handed instead of right-handed, too? That's what, we, that's what we talked about, yeah. And, you know, especially after, uh, considering where we were at, um, after that string of bats for Deke, it was just, uh, you know, it was it was an easy call to bring in Barnsley there. How significant was it for Matt, you think, to, to be able to come in there in a big spot and be able to to pick everybody up? Oh, it's huge, you know. Um, he's been fighting to, to, uh, to regain his form. Um, and these opportunities are huge confidence builders. Um, and, you know, he, he got the job done. We got all the confidence in the world. Done. It was nice that it worked out tonight. All right, this, that was Will Venable after the game tonight, who, of course, is filling in for Alex Cora. Cora dealing with COVID right now. So Will Venable managing the team tonight. And he brought in Matt Barnes. It's, I mean, it's a fair point. You want Franco to turn around and hit lefty. It's just at this point in the season, Barnes has given this team nothing. But Diekman didn't have it. I mean, you look at Hansel Robles, this guy gets four outs with 16 pitches. And then Jake Diekman, it takes him 28 pitches to get two outs. He had no command whatsoever. And this is kind of the problem with Diekman. 
13% walk rate last season. And to put that into context, that was 125th out of 144 qualified relievers. Sometimes this guy just does not have his command, and tonight was one of those nights for Diekman. And I just look at it in terms of Matt Barnes. He's always been in his own head. And I wonder if getting, retiring the, not literally retiring, but you know what I mean, retiring Wander Franco in this game tonight, the best hitter in the sport right now, the best player early on in the season so far in the sport. We all know what he did last season. He was great in the postseason against the Red Sox as well. This guy right now is on an absolute tear. Maybe this helps Matt Barnes. Now, the velocity's still not there with his fastball. They can't judge off tonight. It's one pitch, but it hasn't been there this season. He says we're close on the mechanics. We'll see. I just feel like a moment like this could help springboard his season. I'm not saying we're ever going to see the guy we saw last year, but this may get him going. By the way, that trending update was brought to you by Nissan's. It was brought to you by Nissan. Nissan's an easier choice than ever with our exciting and fuel-efficient lineup. Now, get great offers across our full line. Shop at your local Nissan store at NissanUSA.com. My parents actually have a Nissan Rogue. Thing's nice. i got to say, it's nice. Hey, here's the thing about the lineup. I told you they're not scoring in the first three innings of games. They're not finishing teams off. Here's part of the problem. The Red Sox have a ton of free swingers. We all know that. Right now, their chase rate is at 33, 33.4%. That means they're swinging at 33.4% of pitches outside of the zone. That's 2% higher than anybody else. Okay, well, last year they were free swingers as well, 30.2%. Here is the difference. The contact rate on those pitches last year was at 58.1%, this year at 53.8%. So they're swinging at more pitches out of the zone, and they're making way less contact, more than 5%. And the other component is this. Because of that, and because they don't take walks, they came into tonight 26 in Major League Baseball in walk rate. They have a 264 on base percentage. Last year, they had a 328 on base percentage, which was fourth. Tonight, they came in with a 264 OBP. That's 26 in baseball. So that's the issue right now for the Red Sox, is they're swinging out way too many pitches out of the zone. They're not taking walks whatsoever. They've got to be more disciplined at the plate. And most of all, they've got to finish some of these teams off. Fifth inning, one, two, three. Sixth inning, one, two, three. Seventh inning, one, two, three. Eighth inning, one, two, three. Ninth inning, one, two, three. Although, I never mind. I should say the fifth inning was the one where Kike grounded into the double play after you had two hits to begin the inning from Bogarts and Verdugo. So sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth. The Red Sox go down in order. They've got to be better. This offense has got to wake up. I'm not saying anymore that it's early. They're 7-7. Seven and seven. I get it. It's 14 games in, but they got to start to hit. A lot of the other components of this team, the defense was great tonight. Austin Davis was really good. Robles was really good. Waka was really good. The pitching, for the most part, with the exception of Diekman at the end, was good. And that's been the story for the majority of the season. With the except- Pavetta has sucked. I mean, nobody's going to deny that. But for the most part... These starting pitchers have at least given the Red Sox an opportunity to win games. Even Rich Hill the other day, not his best stuff. He gives up two home runs, but he only gives up four runs. The Red Sox had plenty of opportunities to win that game against Minnesota. So for the most part this season, with the exception of Pavetta, the starters have at least given you an opportunity, your offense an opportunity to win. For the most part, the bullpen, when your guys that are at this point considered your high leverage relievers, all those guys have come through. It's time for the offense, which... We all thought was going to be great entering the season. It's time for the offense to pick it up. 617-779-7937 is the number. Let's get to Eric. Eric is in Rhode Island. What's up, Eric? Hey, what's going on? All right. I I, I originally was going to talk about Travis Shaw, but everyone already knows he stinks. Hear me out. Okay. We we wouldn't have to deal with that Jake Diekman performance tonight if Tanner Howe was vaccinated. 
Yeah, like, because it would have been Whitlock. Yeah, yep. Yeah, Whitlock is pitching tomorrow because this dude is scared of needles. Like, what is going on? Like, can we talk? We played the Toronto Blue Jays like yeah. 17 times this year, and we have Garrett Whitlock starting probably like six of those because these dudes won't get the jab. Like, what is going on here? What happens well, if we play the Blue Jays in the ALCS and we can't have our best pitchers pitching because they won't get the jab? Well, Eric, it's a fair point, and look, I appreciate the phone call. I, I don't want to get into vaccine debates, if you will, but here's the thing. We need to. We need to at least talk about it because it's part of – it's a baseball question now. And I can tell you I think that those rules in Canada are absolutely stupid. Those rules should not still be in place, or those mandates should not still be in place in Canada, okay? I, I don't think that should be the case. But the problem is they are in place. And if you don't have guys on your team vaccinated – it's a competitive disadvantage. When we came into the season, the Blue Jays had the best odds in the American League to win the World Series. We just saw them this week, and their lineup hasn't gotten going yet. But we all know what they have in terms of the Vladimir Guerrero Juniors of the world, the George Springers of the world, the Bo Bichettes of the world. That Teoscar Hernandez dealing with an injury right now, but that can be a very high-powered offense. For Tanner Houck not to be available, it kills this team. It really hurts this team. Now, Tanner Houck's going to piggyback Rich Hill on Sunday, so at least you'll make use of this situation. And I give Cora and Hein Bloom and Dave Bush a lot of credit for coming up with a plan to make sure you use Tanner Houck at the end of this series, so at least you save some of the guys in the bullpen. I love that they actually did that. But it is a serious disadvantage to the team, and we still don't know who the other players are. Who knows? We could have a guy in the middle of the lineup. We're looking up at the series next week because Tanner Houck's the only guy that came out and said anything, right? And he took criticism for that, and deservingly so from a competitive standpoint. But if you look at this in totality, we may find out next week one of the guys in the middle of the lineup can't go. And this is the Toronto Blue Jays. It's not like you're going up to play a crappy team. It's not like Baltimore's north of the border, right? It's not like the Orioles are the team in Canada. No, it's the freaking Blue Jays who are an absolute buzzsaw and an absolute juggernaut from an offensive perspective. And Tanner Houck, a guy that's in your rotation right now, is not going to be available. Not to mention this. Chris Sale's not vaccinated either. We know that. So unless something changes with Sale and he decides to get it, then Chris Sale's not available when he comes back to pitch in Toronto either. So it's a major problem for this team for the majority of the season, and it's a team that is very good in Toronto. So it's it's a good point that he brings up because it is certainly something that's going to affect this team, and we'll find out more in the coming days, or maybe we won't find out until Sunday when they actually make the trip to Toronto who's going and who's not. 617779. 7937 the number. Let's get to Alex in Connecticut. Alex, how are you, my friend? Yeah, okay. How you doing, Brian? You I'm know, doing well. Tonight. Uh, just a uh, couple things real quickly before I get on to the Soxky. The vaccination thing, I mean, I don't want to get into a debate with that because I'm not vaccinated. And you got to feel comfortable with it. So it's nothing about taking a jab. I've got no problems taking a jab. But putting something in your system that you're not comfortable putting in there, you know, and I can't blame these guys. And then I understand everybody else. No, look, point. Alex, I, I get look, it from that know, perspective. And like I said, I think the law, the mandate, whatever it is in Canada, now, I think it's stupid. I think it's outdated. I don't think that should be the case anymore. But the problem is we can't change it. And I'm just talking about from a baseball perspective. Unfortunately for the Red Sox, they're at a competitive I, I, I disadvantage. I mean, and look, yeah, apparently the Yankees you, now are all vaccinated because that was an issue with them, Aaron Judge, et cetera. Apparently they're all vaccinated now. So I just look at it from a competitive standpoint. I think about this team right now teetering around 500. I'm worried about them going to Toronto. Yeah. Uh, look, I, I don't disagree with you, but, you know, it's a, it's, it's a different type of a debate. I mean, 
you're asking someone to do something. Well, anyway, I don't want to get into it because, like I said, I'm on that minority side. I'm not vaccinated, and I don't, and I really don't believe in the vaccination, to be honest. So anyway, um, I, I tried to get you the other night, you know, with the Celtics, because you know, um, and I missed. I guess I called too late and everything, because when they were, I wanted to to tell you, and thank, I was so happy that Hoffman's back because when they were down 17 points with like a couple of minutes to go. It was his three-point that, that I think just changed. The, the, that, that's really where, where the game changed because it could have easily gotten really ugly. could have been down 20 points by halftime. Who are you talking about? They actually got it down to nine. Who? You know, Horford. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, I, he's been tra- – yeah, I mean, Alex, this three guy – talk about the fountain of youth. I mean, this guy – think about oh. this. They put him on ice last year in Oklahoma City, and I thank Sam Presti for that. <laughs> he only played like 26 yeah. games. He's fresh right now. For a 35-year-old, he looks – insanely spry and he looks great thank god because i tell you to me when he hit that three-pointer i was like okay now we just gotta if we can get it down i was thinking to myself the 10 points they actually got it down to nine but um anyway um i'm looking forward to tomorrow night and i'm real happy with them and but uh, on with the socks you know you know they're starting to hit i mean they're hitting it's the bottom half of the order that's killing us. Yeah. You know, and we've all, you know, you guys have been on it tonight, you know, with Shaw, and, and you know how I feel about Dahlbeck and everything. But um, the, to me, the, the pitching thing, here's a problem that I got. Why not? I mean, Robles, you know, I love the guy as much as you do. And I, I, and I love that he won't take any crap from anybody. Either. <laughs> but why, why not let the guy go back out and pitch? I mean, if you're going to put four or five guys out every single game, one of those guys are not going to have it that night. So, I mean, why not let the guy, you know, get another couple of hitters? I Alex, mean, I, 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 think it's, I, I think it's more about the fact that they think, okay, they're going to need him again in the series, right? I mean, he threw 16 pitches, so you're figuring, okay, if we're in another close game, either tomorrow or on Sunday, we need him. He's your be- he, outside of Whitlock. He's their best reliever. I feel like that's what it is more than anything else. And if you put him out there in the ninth inning, then you burn him for the rest of the series. And look, he's not a guy that's built to go super long like uh, Garrett Whitlock, so to speak. So I think it was more just about all right. He's given us his sixteen pitches. I mean, I understand the idea of that, but they have faith in Deekman. Now uh, you can question their faith in Deekman, oh, but gosh. they have faith in the guy. He's horrendous. He just, he sucks. I mean, it just, it's horrible. And when Barnes came in, I really thought that that was, I mean, even the, I was so upset, even the dogs left the room. I mean, everybody left the room because I went berserk, <laughs> you know, because, and I, all I did was say, please, please, God, let him just like hit it at somebody. Please just hit it at somebody. Oh, what a play. And uh, thank God. Thank Alex, God. I thank mean, God. Alex, I appreciate the call, my friend. What a play. I mean, that play by Trevor Story, ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. By two of them in that inning. The defense for the Red Sox is really good tonight. The defense for the Red Sox has been really good all season long. They're tied for the most defensive runs saved in the American League. Think, that's another thing. The defense, the bullpen, the starters, it's all been pretty good. It's just the damn offense. Let's get to Scott. Scott is in San Francisco tonight. Hey, Scott. Hey, Brian. What's going on, buddy? How are you? I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. Hey, so just a couple points. Let me roll through it real quick, and sure. then you can comment. Sure. Just on the overall on, on the construction of the batting order, the, uh, I got I, I have some philosophical differences uh, with what you said. Okay. Do you 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 pay Trevor Story? I'm I'm in San Francisco, so I've seen this guy play the Giants 19 times a year. You pay him 140 million for six years. You're gonna. Yeah, I know he's fast. He should be batting third, fourth, or fifth. Okay, not leadoff. 
that's not you don't pay 140 million dollars for a leadoff hitter. Number two. Well, I mean, like Altuve hits leadoff, so George Springer hits leadoff. I I I disagree with that. You don't. You don't. You. I I totally disagree with you. Number two. So you think Altuve's got a bad contract? J.D. Martinez batting fourth is a is a joke. He should be batting sixth or seventh. He's on the decline, and Devers batting second is foolish. He didn't bat second all last year. He should be batting third or fourth. He's the well, best hold on, Scott. In the you, you know when he had 54 doubles? That was when he was hitting second. Where did he bat all last year? Last year between third and fourth. Two years ago, exactly. in 19, he, he was why second. Why is he batting second? Why is he batting second this year? All It makes no sense. Well, that's where, Scott, yeah, Scott, that's where most teams across the sport now put their best hitters in the two-hole. That's what they do. I, I mean, you look at Aaron Judge, you look at you. Mike Trout. That's what most teams do now. They put their best hitter second in the order because I, you get that extra at bat. I, I just, I philosophically, I don't agree with it. You have your opinion, and whatever the. You but know, hold on, what's your? I don't get. So okay, if you don't want JD hitting fourth you, or fifth, who do you want to put there in front of him? Dahlback. JD, JD. So I want Dahlback gone, and I disagree okay, with so, you. I want, Cass, I want Cassis up yeah. now. What are we waiting for? Didn't Mike Sosha say he's one of the best players he's ever coached? No, that was Duran. (laughs) Somehow he said that about Duran. He compared Duran to Mike Trout. He said the same thing about Cassis. And Franchi blows. If he comes back up, I'm not watching the Red Sox. He's horrible. Sounds like you're not going to watch the Red Sox anyway. You're pissed about every decision they've made. No, I just just don't think it's common sense. I really don't. And, And honestly... Did you see yesterday's game? Vasquez throw into center field the 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 debacle with the pop up. Oh, the shot I mean, play, yeah. I mean, the shot play was more embarrassing. And I honestly, Scott, I don't know tonight why he threw the ball down to third base in that ninth inning. I don't know why he did that. I feel like if he framed that better, that they could have gotten a strike there. And instead, he's throwing it down to third. I don't know what he was doing there. I mean, Yuke on the broadcast is saying he's trying to keep him close, but Vasquez to me is just he's not a great player. He he's not a great defensive you know, catcher, and he can't hit. And I feel like and if they could have looked, upgraded in the offseason, they would have. I, and I know they were sniffing around. I, you know, and I'm, I'm kind of beating a dead horse. It's, it's, it's just my, my personal opinion. But I feel like their lineup's a, a bat short because Bobby D, once again, we're waiting for him. We all love Bobby D. You love him. I love him. We think he's a great guy. He's got power. But we can't wait for him because, as you yeah. said, the pitching's been good. The defense has been good. But our lineup is five five guys hitting. If we're lucky, it's 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 hard to watch, Brian. You know that. that yeah, that's it's it's thought. that. Yeah, Scott, I appreciate the call as always, my friend. It's that bottom third of the lineup. It's that seven, eight, nine, and so you can live with two guys in the lineup that aren't aren't going to produce, right? Because you're feeling like, okay, Kike is going to get going. Story's going to get going. You know what you have with Verdugo. You know, well, I guess Scott doesn't. I know what you have with JD Martinez with Xander Bogarts, and Devers is one of the best power hitters in the sport. So you know what you have with that group in the top six. The problem is you need one of the guys between seven and nine to produce in some capacity, and none of those guys are producing. Jackie Bradley Jr. out of that group has been the best hitter, and we don't expect that to keep up. We know he plays world-class defense, but you can't depend on him hitting. Same thing can be said about Arroyo when he's in there. Arroyo only hits lefties, and we'll see if he's able to hit lefties as the season goes on, but his bat hasn't really showed up for the season when he's playing. 
So I just look at all those factors, and we know the catchers can't hit. Ploiecki can hit a little bit against lefties. He did hit over 300 against lefties, but, I mean, they're switching off. I mean, he's not catching that often. Anyway, Vasquez is going to get the majority of the game, so you need one of those spots, and that's why it's the dollback spot that needs to be better. All right, 617-779-7937 is the number. Brian Barrett with you up until midnight. So if you do want to weigh in on this, what do you want to see them do with Dahlback? Is it time for Shaw to go? Should he be done as a member of this Red Sox organization? That's on the table. What have you made of the pitching? Will this get Matt Barnes back on track? And what the hell's wrong with the lineup? 617-779-7937, the number. Brian Barrett with you on EI. All right, welcome back in. We are with you until midnight. I don't think this is being hyperbolic. That was a massive win for the Red Sox tonight. They lose that game with how it started, being up 4-1. to one. Not doing anything offensively from the sixth inning on. If they lose that game, especially considering Deekman comes in and walks the damn ballpark. If they lose that game, this is a horrible loss for the Red Sox. They needed this win badly. And you could tell after the game, Matt Barnes talking with Joe Castiglione and Tom Flash Gordon, how excited that team was. They needed this win, especially considering we know Whitlock goes tomorrow. He'll probably give you three innings. I would guess maybe four because they want to make sure that he doesn't go too high up there from a pitch count perspective. But they got McClanahan going on Sunday. McClanahan's been absolutely filthy this season. And I know the Red Sox got to him last year in the postseason, of course. Now, the first game, he shut them down five innings, no runs. That game one where Erod was just absolutely atrocious in that one. But then he came in relief in what was that game five, and the guy gave it up five runs in two-thirds of an inning. But he has a tremendous fastball. It's near 96 miles an hour on a consistent basis as a starter. Filthy slider, filthy curveball. So you needed to bank a win in this series prior to the McClanahan game. Not saying it's impossible to beat the guy, but you want to make sure you win one of those games before you face their ace. 617-779-7937, the number. All right, well, if there was ever a night to talk about the Red Sox and talk about their defense, I could only think of one person. Na-na-na-na. Hey, hey, hey. Goodbye. It's David in Florida, the biggest proponent of defense in the history of the world. David, you must feel like a proud father tonight. Oh, you know, uh, well, what can I say? I mean, finally they proved me correct. Um, what do you mean they yes, proved you correct? Uh, you mean, said they stink. Yes. Well, I mean, they they executed when they had to, and they won the game. Defense. Defense, defense, and defense. It, 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 it made it close during the middle of the game, but then in the end, you know, but in the end, the story made a great play. And I also, uh, I mean, there were a couple of situations in the game. There was one situation when Jackie had the RBI, uh, the RBI ground out, but they sent the runner to stay out of the double play. So they did a few, they did a few things offensively too, but they have to find ways to pad on, to pad the game, to pad the lead once they score. They always play for the beginning, and they have to find ways. Once you get two or three across, you have to pad the lead, and they don't do that. Yeah, it was really the fifth inning, David. The fifth inning is where they had back-to-back singles from Bogarts and Verdugo. They needed to do something there, and Kike grounds into a double play. That was the beginning. Because you score there, you put put a couple of across. They're not bringing in premium relievers, and you win that game going away. That was the problem, the fifth inning. And we've seen that too many times this year with the Red Sox. I would agree with you on that. Well, thank you. And the last thing is, you know, it, it's an age-old, it's an age-old 
cliche in baseball. You're going to win 54, you're going to lose 54, and it's the other 54 that, that determines your success. Now, so you're going to look at the big picture. And big picture-wise, as I've said so many times, they've been nothing but inconsistent so far. And the deep, the, the pitching, I mean, one one day Deakman looks great. The other day, today, he, 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 he can't hit the broad side of a barn. Uh, I mean, he can't throw the ball in the ocean. Uh, I mean, the, the pitching has just been at best inconsistent. And I've said it before. I mean, I think that's again, unfair, David. I, I think that's unfair to say the pitching's been inconsistent. I appreciate the call as always, David, and I'm happy that you're happy about the defense. But to uh-huh. say the pitching has been inconsistent, I think is unfair. I mean, I look at it from the uh-huh. I look at it from the perspective uh-huh. of the pitching for the most part this season has been good. Robles has been good. Yes, okay. Yeah, so Robles has been good this season. I look at the fact that Walk has pitched really well this season. When you look at Whitlock has pitched well, the only starter that's been bad has been Pavetta. So I don't feel like the starting pitching and I don't feel like the bullpen has been an issue. They need to get Pavetta going, but the pitching's been fine. It's the offense. The offense has been the issue. Let's get to Joe in New Jersey. What's up, Joe? Hey, Brian, I enjoy your words of wisdom. Brian, the bottom of this order is not going to change the rest of the year with these guys. Yeah, and they're going to need no, to make a change, Joe. I, I agree with you on they that. they got to do something. I know we're stuck with Vasquez. Why Travis Shaw is on this team is beyond me. I don't, I don't get it either. I, I agree with you on that, Joe. It makes you know? zero sense to me. The yeah, only good thing I can tell you is he's got 45 days in the contract. I mean, it's only guaranteed. Huh. They have a decision to make before 45 days. I can't imagine he's going to be on the team much longer. And I had enough of Dahl back. Yeah, and look, I, uh, Joe, i got to I mean, tell you this. How long can we go with him? Yeah, I'm with you on that, Joe. And you know? I felt, you know, and I appreciate the call, Joe. I felt coming into the season, he had a really good spring. He made some adjustments with two strikes. He stopped striding, but we haven't seen it. Let's get to Art. Art's in Connecticut. What's up, Art? Hey, Brian. Uh, What's up, Artie? Quick things. They'll be quick. Hey, I'm hanging in there, Brian. Um, Whitlock, are they stretching him out to be a starter, or is this just like a one, just a fill-in thing? Uh, for yeah, it's just for the hoax situation. But, I mean, we've seen it. He can go multiple innings. So I think this is the plan all along, Art, is to have him pitch multiple innings. Yeah, that's, I think he won. I, I think at one time, I think, Brian, last year, he I mean, I, I think you talked about being a starter. I, th- I think that's where he's most comfortable. Yeah, look, and, uh, Art. Watch Yeah, Art, I don't think they'd rule it out, but I actually like this hybrid role. Think about it. They've won, what, now, tonight, they've won seven games. But Whitlock, up until tonight, he's pitched in 50% of their wins. He's pitched in three of their seven wins. So I feel like they've actually used him in a good way. I like it. Yeah, he was a steal. Get him from the Yanks, he was a steal. Um, Barnsey. When he's his first pitch coming out the bullpen, 92, I got an issue with that. And the last thing, um, if that kid, we're all done with Dow, but I mean, I mean, he had a short leash. My question to you is, when you look at the two players, the kid down in AAA playing first and Dahlbeck, who's the better baseball player to you, Brian? Because if, if the yeah, kid it's Cassis. Play, the better... Yeah, look, it's Cassis. Art, Art. What's the big deal, Brian? What's the big deal? <laughs> I'm with you, Art. Hey, I appreciate the call. Cassis is the better player. He is going to be the long-term first baseman of the Red Sox. I do think there's part of this organization that felt like, okay, let's give Dahlback a chance. And at the very least, let's build up some value 
for Bobby Dahlbeck, right? Let's try to build up some value. So when Cassis does take over as the everyday first baseman, well, at least there's some value with Dahlbeck and maybe they can get something back in return for the player. But I think at this point, there's just no value with Dahlbeck on the open market because the guy just cannot hit. I think about that player we saw from August to the end of last season when he had an OPS over 1,000. I just feel like that is the outlier. We're not going to see somebody that produces at a high level consistently. All right, thanks to Ethan for producing. I'll be back with you with Rob Bradford tomorrow at 4 o'clock. So if you want to get some Sox thoughts in, then make sure to call us. Have a great night, everybody. Be safe and be well.